Welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creed. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk a little money as Jesus explains how we're to treat our worldly possessions and what happens when consumers are consumed. And I'm very excited because today we're premiering a new feature called Any Questions? It's a chance for you, the listener, to ask questions and have me address it on a future podcast. So let's get this show on the road. And as always, let's give them the bold speak. Welcome again, everyone, to the Bold Speak Podcast. So glad you're joining me as we continue through our study of condition of the heart and and taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount. Now, today on the podcast, we're going to be addressing a topic that can many times be rather complex. We're going to talk about money and possessions. Now, money is a necessary thing in our society. We use money because of the way our world works, right? I I don't have the time or ability to do everything that I need for life, and so I pay others to do certain things for me. In turn, I am able to to pay those uh, people and, and, and pay for those items because I do a job providing a service that other people can't provide themselves, and so thus they pay me, right? And on and on the cycle goes. And while we can't avoid money, we do, however, have to have a healthy respect for the boundaries around it and and what's at stake when we don't observe those boundaries. And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. Now, if you've had a chance to go onto our website and uh, pick up our study guide, you can go ahead and open that up. We're on lesson six, uh, and that begins on page 24, and you'll see all the questions laid out for you there. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to pick up that study guide, I would encourage you to do so. It really helps you to, to, to write things down, uh, taking notes so that you can reference things later or as you're kind of tracking along, or uh, even just the, the process of writing can help you remember certain things. Uh, so if you haven't picked up that study guide, you could do so on our website. That's www.theboldspeak.com. If you go to the store there, you'll have a chance to, to pick this up. It's only $10, uh, and that helps to support this ministry. And again, is very valuable for you as we continue through the study. Now, today we're going to be going through uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. I am going to be reading that uh, in the English Standard Version. Uh, So if you have a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and open that up to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, If you don't have an English Standard Version of the Bible, don't worry. You can go ahead and pick the translation that works best for you. And if you don't have access to a Bible right now, that's still not a problem. I'll go ahead and read those things to you uh, so you can track along just fine with us as we go. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in here. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. All right, let's get to question one. What point is Jesus making in his example of fasting? Now, before we get too far into this, let's get an understanding of fasting, what it is and and why it's even being done. All right, fasting is in many places throughout scripture about repentance and about discipline. Now, when I say discipline, I don't mean punishment, but I mean disciplining your body, right? Showing control over it. And the purpose is to show total reliance upon God. And it's typically done as an act of contrition for sin, right? In other words, in your relationship with God, as you uh, notice sin in your life or you recognize that sin in your life and you move toward repentance, you also uh, kind of have this idea in your head about the fact that you have to be totally reliant upon God. Your sin was a step away from God. It was about self-reliance. Fasting is a step in God-reliance, right? In other words, I'm going to deprive my body of something that it needs and learn to trust in the Lord, even though what's inside of me desires to do what is best for me, right? And so there's this um, kind of movement within you to recognize the reality of your sinfulness and that you need to kind of get control of that. And the way to get control is to give God control, right? So as you give God control in that uh, act of fasting, you're becoming more and more reliant upon him, which is exactly where you need to be because that moves you away from the self-reliance of sin. All right now, understanding that about fasting, you can see here a formula that we've encountered before, right? The formula for fasting is the same as Jesus has already uh, given us in regard to uh, monetary donations and prayer. And the idea is to communicate the same thing when it comes to repentance and discipline of the body, right? Don't make your repentance a show so that others will look at you and think of themselves like, you know, wow, this guy or this girl is just super holy, right? And then it ends up bringing glory to you. Rather, when you fast and pray, you should do so with without making a scene, right? Don't don't walk around with kind of a screwed up face like, "Oh, I'm so hungry, but I I have to do this cuz I'm so super holy," right? Don't don't do don't do that. Um if you're going to fast, make that something that you do as a means by which to discipline yourself and your body to create that reliance upon God, but do it in such a way that you don't bring attention to yourself. Right? This isn't about bringing glory to you. Remember the whole purpose of fasting is to encourage and help to grow the relationship between you and God, right? Not to bring fame or attention to yourself. All right, so this is the point Jesus is making. And again, this is a a direct affront to the Pharisees, right? Who have likely been going around and, and kind of making a spectacle of themselves when they fast in order to puff themselves up and make themselves look more important in the community. And we know that because right there in verse 16, he talks about being gloomy like the hypocrites, right? And we know he's been referring to the Pharisees so far because that was the reference in the previous two sections. All right, so... 
Uh, well, he's talking about this this kind of idea of fasting and not bringing glory to self, but bringing glory to God, focusing on your relationship with God, and that's the condition of the heart. Now, that brings us to the next question. How does Jesus' teaching on treasures in heaven continue his ongoing theme of condition of the heart? Now, you'll see there on the study guide that I've broken this down into two kind of subcategories that Jesus gives us, right? Treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. So let's deal with the first. Jesus says that we shouldn't lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What Jesus is dealing with here is the externals, right? The, the possessions, the money, the things that are outside of us that we tend to have a, a tendency to identify ourselves by. And it really starts to get to the question that I think Jesus is, is trying to dig into here, which is what is it that you value in life, right? Where are your priorities? If you find yourself uh, feeling a sense of anxiety and stress around whether or not you have all of these things, right? If you find yourself in a position where you tend to look around you and in the process of looking around, you see other things that people have and you associate or equate those things with success and you think to yourself, well, I'm not validated or I'm not successful until I have these things, right? I don't have a uh, kind of a sense of purpose or meaning until I've achieved these things. And it's all sort of the externals. Jesus is asking the question, where, where are your priorities? What is it that you value? And this is, you're going to find, going to bleed directly into a conversation we're going to have on the next podcast as Jesus kind of ties this section up with a conversation about anxiety. Wherever your priorities are, are going to be driving the things that create anxiety, right? Your anxiety comes from a lack of fulfillment or a nervousness, a worrying about whether or not you will accomplish or, or be a part of or do the things that you deem are important. And so Jesus is saying, well, what really is important? And his point is it's not the externals. The externals go away, right? They, they inevitably either become nothing, right? They become dust where rust destroys them or moths eat them or, right? And, and again, he's, he's dealing with possessions, clothing, right? All of these things will eventually go away. So if you put your value and you place your priorities in those things, you're placing your value and your association of value with something that doesn't last, which means inevitably you're going to have to move on to something else. And then when that goes away, you move on to something else and so on and so forth. And then your identity, right? Your personal sense of value, your personal sense of accomplishment and success is always in flux, right? It never settles on anything. And that leaves you in a state of constant anxiety. But in contrast to that, Jesus says, you should put your value, your priorities on treasures in heaven. Right, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, don't focus on all these externals. But if you want to know what's important, if you want to know what to value, what to, to place priority on, place the priority on the things that are inside. In other words, focus on the condition of the heart. 
Right? You have all these externals, and, and right now, all these examples that Jesus has been giving about the Pharisees is all about the externals, right? When they give, when they pray, when they fast, it's all about the external stuff so that people look at them and, and find value in the externals, and they become famous and wealthy and so on and so forth. And Jesus is like, look, when you go down that route, right, what you end up doing is you end up placing your priorities in all the wrong places. But if you, if you focus on treasures in heaven, on the internal things, right? The reality of, of God in relationship with you, the fact that God loves you in a way that is unbelievably immeasurable to you, right? If you, if you focus on the love that God gives you, that he then is asking you to go and give to others. When you focus on those things and that relationship that you have with God, ladies and gentlemen, that never goes away. No one can take that from you. No one can steal that from you. That is yours, and it is yours forever. And you don't have to stress or worry about that. There's no anxiety there, because it's not something that can be taken from you. And so Jesus says, if you focus on the internal realities, that condition of the heart, that relationship with God, look, those are the things that bring true joy. Those are the things that remain within you. And the implications of this are huge, and you're going to see that play itself out throughout the rest of Matthew chapter 6. All right, and sort of piggybacking on this idea, Jesus starts to talk a little bit about uh, kind of how you can tell the difference between the external and the internal, and that gets us to question three. What is the darkness Jesus is referring to in verses 22 to 23? Now here, what Jesus is talking about is he, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And, and then the light in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Right? In other words, what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that the eyes are, are the windows to the soul. And I know that sounds really poetic, but this idea is conveyed over and over again in Scripture. In fact, one of my favorite places that you see this is in a Psalm of David, right? Psalm 38. And this is following the affair that he has with Bathsheba, right? He has this affair with Bathsheba, um, ends up having her husband killed so that he can be with her. This whole thing is discovered. Uh, when it's discovered, he finds out Bathsheba's pregnant and, and Bathsheba loses the child uh, as a result of his sin. And, and with all of this going on, David feels this incredible sense of, of regret and remorse and repentance. And he, he's lamenting uh, from Psalm 38, uh, 39, 40, 41. There's several in a row here of David's lament. And in the midst of Psalm 38, David has this section that I've always found incredibly powerful. He says in verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 38, O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. Now, if you remember, as the scriptures speak about David, David was spoken as a, a very good-looking guy, right? He, he had a red face, he was muscular, he was strong, and, and he was the, uh, we'll say, the, the envy, the heartthrob of many and so his eyes, you have to imagine, were, were beautiful and bright. And David just had this aura and this sense about him. And you, you probably know that. There's probably people around you, that people you just like to be around because they just have this sense about them. But he says in the midst of his sin, 
the light in his eyes faded. Right? In other words, just his spirit, the, the, the things inside of him that made him joyful, he was crushed. And what that shows us is that the eyes really kind of present themselves as a window into what's going on internally. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Right? In the conversation about treasures on earth and treasures in heaven, there was a, a distinction that he made between what's external and what's internal. And now he's continuing with that same thought by saying, look, look at the eyes, right? The darkness that can sometimes be within people that he's addressing here is that sin that's inside that can't be seen by the externals, right? When we're talking about the, the kind of externals, you, you can mask things, right? Right? You, you have to be able to, to, to look beyond the surface. Right? Don't be concerned so much about the, the externals because the externals can be faked. But if you look at the eyes, they can tell a story of something going on inside. Right? It's this, this glimpse into to something's going on. Right? And, and you know this. You've seen this. Right? If you've ever uh, kind of looked at someone or looked someone in the eyes and just kind of got a bad feeling. Or, or maybe you have a friend and, and you know everything kind of seems fine. The words are there. The actions may even be there. But when you look them in the eye, you, you just you know something's wrong. Right? Or, or when you're kind of hanging out with friends and, and hanging out with different people and you, you, you see somebody, you make eye contact, and there's just this kind of joy or, or peace that comes over you. Right? In other words, the eyes can tell a lot. Right? They see beyond the external and they see inside. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Again, the focus is on what's inside, not what's outside. Because the outside, again, can be faked. Right? The Pharisees got really good at faking the externals. Jesus is saying, no, you have to look deeper. Look into what's going on inside because that's what God's concerned about. And that's what we as his people should be concerned about. Right now, he kind of buttons all of this up with a conversation about the nature of the externals in relation to the in relationship to the internals, specifically dealing with possessions. And, and this is going to be a conversation that's going to continue on next week as we go beyond uh, verse 24 and look at 24 to 34 um, and really kind of get a sense for, for what God's speaking about here. But, but for right now, we're going to set the stage with question four. What point is Jesus making about money and possessions in verse 24, and how does it summarize this part of Jesus' message? Right To remind you, he says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, to really understand this, we have to consider or think about the relationship between a master and a servant right? Servants follow the will of the master, right? If you follow the will of, of your master, you do what they desire, right? And you're constantly asking and reflecting, checking in with the master to see what the master desires. And so Jesus is saying, look, let's take all this conversation we've had so far about externals and internals, and let's put it in the language of a servant and a master. If you serve the externals, then the externals become the ultimate things. Right? In other words, that's where your priorities are. That's where your values are. And as a result, the decisions that you make will be in line with that master. That master will control you. Now, this is never more clear than when you're dealing with things like 
addictions. Right? The very nature of an addiction is that external thing ends up having a, a control over you. And you make decisions, you go about your life, you act in ways that are subservient to that external thing that now controls you. But Jesus is going sort of beyond what we typically think of when it comes to addictions, right? Not just substance or sex or any of those things. Jesus is saying, look, anything external to you can become your master, right? Your desire for a better position, your classification of success, your view of your own identity. All of these things can be external and all of these things can have control over you. But if your master is God, then you're following and seeking out his will. And now you're making decisions that are in line with him as your master. And that looks very different. Now, what Jesus is addressing here when it comes to God and money, he's saying, look, if money, if possessions, if those are your master, that's fine. But God's going to be steering you a different direction, right? And, and something I have told students and people over and over again is every time you run towards something, you're running away from something else, right? Hear that again. Every time you run toward something, you're running away from something else. So if your priorities are focused on something and you're running toward that thing, you just have to be aware of what is the thing you're running away from as a result of this thing being your priority. If money and possessions are your priority, then you're seeking the fame and glory of self. And that means that if you're following and serving yourself, you're not following and serving God, right? When you're running toward self, you're running away from God. But if you're running toward God, you're running away from self. Right? And this is where, you know, Paul references the idea of kind of dying to self and living for Christ, right? There's something inside of you, that sin that has to die, that, that self-reliance, all the, the external things that think and, and are concerned about your own fame and your own glory. Those things are put away. Those things are, are set aside and you now pursue God. And when you pursue God in that way, God, because he desires and is always working with you, then pursues and continues in, in loving relationship with you and provides all the things that you need right? And so this is what Jesus is going to get into when he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things that you worry about, all those externals that give you stress, those will be added to you, right? God will take care of those things. All right. And so this is a lot of the stuff that he's getting to. And again, it's, it's still dealing with this condition of the heart. We're dealing with uh, focusing on the internal realities, the importance of that relationship with God and starting to sever and separate ourselves from all the externals that we so many times get caught up in uh, and cause a lot of problems for us. All right. So I encourage you to enjoy, uh, to, to join me next week uh, as we get into the little subsection there. Again, if you're looking at your study guide, it says anxiety and trust. And this is a big topic. Uh, there's a lot to discuss here uh, because I think anxiety uh, and, and trust are things that we regularly uh, have to deal with. And we're going to build on these ideas um, from, from this podcast and really kind of get a, a large picture of, of what Jesus is getting at on uh, verses 16 to 34 about how we relate to God and how we relate to the things of the world. 
All right, uh, now that we've discussed the internal and external things, we're now gonna switch gears and get into something that I'm, I'm very excited about, and that's our new feature, Any Questions. This is a chance for you, the listeners, to ask questions that I will address on future podcasts in an effort to help you navigate some of the tough realities of life or maybe uh, parts of scripture you don't understand or just something you'd like some help with. Uh, anyway, it's it's an opportunity for me to kind of be a resource to you, right? Maybe it's just a, a random question about life that you'd like to hear a, a position on. But whatever it is, I encourage you uh, just to fill up my inbox with questions. And, and you can do that by sending an email to any questions, all one word, any questions at theboldspeak.com. And who knows, maybe your question will be featured in a future podcast. All right, so now enough about the process and everything that it is. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Any Questions. Okay, class. Any questions? All right, so we're starting with a question that I had posed to me, and I would love your feedback on this because I know there are a lot of people out there who who have a lot of different opinions about this and and maybe disagree with me, but I, I really do think it's important to talk about. All right, so here's the question. What is the difference between a pastor and a missionary? The answer, in my opinion, is nothing. Absolutely nothing. See, it has to do with the role of the pastor and the way that we typically think about what a pastor is supposed to do. Now, I always thought it was odd and and interesting when I was at seminary that the the pastoral track was different from the missionary track. In other words, the missionary track was specifically dedicated to teaching uh, men going into the ministry on how to communicate the gospel in effective ways to different people of different nationalities in such a way that you can grow the church through that ministry of the gospel, reaching out to that community, communicating Jesus to them, and thus bringing them to faith. Pastors, however, are taught differently. Are we taught to be missionaries? Well, sure, for a class, but that's pretty much it. In other words, it causes you to question, what really is the role of a pastor? See, in so many different places today, it seems to me that pastors are are more likened to, I don't know, museum curators. It's the, the job of the curator of a museum to make sure that that particular place they're in is functioning and running correctly. It's their job to make sure that it's appealing. It's their job to make sure that that institution is protected and also maybe to do a little bit of PR and marketing to bring people in. But it's not really intended to reach out to the community. And I think that's what a pastor is supposed to do. Your job as the leader in a church, in the church, is to be the church. The purpose of the church, the whole reason for its existence, is the communication of the gospel. That is to say, the purpose for the church is the mission. If you have a congregation that isn't involved in the mission, if you have a congregation that isn't reaching out to its community to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, to live out that gospel in their lives, and thus hopefully bring them to faith, what are you doing? See, I don't think there's a difference between the pastor and the missionary. The only difference that you might say exists is the location. Where are you a missionary? 
If you're a missionary in Africa, you're doing the things that are associated with the communication of the gospel. But think about this. If you're a missionary in a foreign country, do they teach you that your job is to go there to help that community to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to know him so that you can form a congregation and then just sit there once it gets to a certain size and be happy with what you've done. Pat yourself on the back and remain there for as long as you desire. No, the missionary is taught to continue the mission. Is it the same thing our pastors are taught? It's a fascinating question and something I think we should really think about. What is the role of the pastor and the missionary, and is it in fact the same? I believe that it is. You disagree? I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. All right, go ahead and message me down below in the comments of this particular episode of the podcast. If you're on SoundCloud, you can message me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at forward slash the bold speak. Right, connect with me on this. I'd love to hear your opinions and your thoughts about the, the relationship between the job of the pastor and the job of the missionary. Because I personally think, according to the scriptures and the way that the mission is given to the church, there should be absolutely no difference between those two roles and the way that they approach their life of leadership in the church. All right, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the first ever episode of Any Questions. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bold Speak Podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Make sure you connect with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at forward slash the Bold Speak. Connect with us on our website at www.theboldspeak.com. And make sure you subscribe to this channel and all our media outlets to make sure you get the latest news, information, and updates as we release them. Until next time, everyone, hope you have a good one. I'm Anthony Creedon, and that is the Bold Speak. <laughs>